What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Howdy, gang. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Imran. You're tuned into another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. I hope uh, this uh, day finds you well and happy and healthy. Uh, we've got a brilliant show lined up for you today. Uh, before we jump in, a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and hosts shows from across the whole wide world. And we're going to talk to the creators of one of those shows today with myself, uh, and uh, Sean Sophia uh, from um, currently based in Niigata, Japan, uh, have a have a really great catch up. Uh, Sean is just one of the coolest people to talk to. He's one of my favourite people to talk to, um, and uh, I didn't really go into this one. It'd been actually a lot longer than we had wanted uh, for um, for us to connect on the episode today. And um, I, you know, I don't like. I've come to the realization that as meticulous and and and. Uh, over planning as I can be on on a lot of episodes when I talk to Sean I like not to do those things too much uh, because it's just it's a super cool freewheeling kind of conversation and I really really dig it and I think if you're a music fan uh, kind of in the vein uh, as uh, Sean and myself are then I think you'll kind of get a a little bit out of it Um, and it's just cool to kind of catch up with him um, about his uh, various endeavors uh, many of which revolve around the raw select music uh, brand um, him, he DJs over in Japan as well and it's just kind of <laughs> there's some cool stories about that and um, yeah I, I you know it's awesome to catch up with Sean and, and just just talk music and talk about um, you know things the hurdles that we're each trying to overcome in this music gig etc uh, etc et so it's always a pleasure and I hope it won't be as long uh, for us to reconnect because um uh, yeah, this this episode took a long time to put together. So it, yes, very. I mean, in terms of yeah, for us to communicate um, our our timings and all of that stuff. So very very happy it finally happened. It's a really cool episode. It goes a little bit long, so I'll keep this brief. Regular listeners of the podcast will know we feature two songs per episode. Sean picks a brilliant closing number for the episode today, but I have the luxury of picking the opening one. And um, you know, we one thing Sean and I will tend to discuss is some what we're listening to at the moment and things that we're really enjoying from the year. And um, I thought one of the cool things that for me to do right now is to play something. I don't remember. I don't think I cite this uh, in our conversation, but I thought it would be cool to shout it out. And it's the debut uh, full-length project by uh, Antares Flair uh, who are an amazing jazz collective really eclectic sounds and um, check them out on Bandcamp uh, check out their Wicked Wax label as well and um, yeah there's a whole host of brilliant stuff on there and um, yeah this is such a great project and uh, I'm going to go with the I believe this was the lead single from the project of What's Going to Kill Me First and uh uh, I think you'll love it. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please check us out at blueingreenradio.com. Um, and without further ado, my friends, uh, and Taurus Flair, and then Sean Sophia. 
I'm not. I'm not really that techie minded these days. Okay. It's like it's more kind of if it works, it works. Mm. I'm still using the same laptop that I've had for the last eight years, and knock on wood, it'll continue to work for another like four years before I have mm. to replace it. Yeah. What are you My using lap- for a computer? I have a I have a laptop. Um, it's it is. It's pretty close to mm-hmm. having, you know, to getting to a point where it needs to move on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's it, everything what about, about it. Yeah, the, the only I'm like one step away from having like sellotape wrapped around it to keep <laughs> it together. It's really it's it's like a it's like a Simpsons meme waiting to happen. This this laptop. I mean, the 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 screen doesn't close for starters. So I can't, I can't actually close it. It's sort of locked in this, this constantly open uh, mm. state. So I can't take it anywhere. Um, oh. It takes about thirty to forty minutes to turn on. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's just that's I don't, not even it, an exaggeration, right? That no, no, no. I mean, to I, I had we I had a podcast a couple of oh, oh, like a week ago, and I was. It just, it was in, it just, and I opened, I turned it on about 35 minutes before the episode, but it needed a full hour just to really wake up. And so I was like 25 minutes late for the, for the recording because it just wouldn't start. It wouldn't sort of load. Um, but it's, yeah, I, and I put it through its paces, obviously, as I'm sure you do. Yeah, Um, no, I've definitely, uh, I've gotten my money's worth out of this computer for sure. Yeah, and it, it, it as much as it's been mistreated and abused throughout the years, it still functions largely well. The only thing is, is it, it can't multitask the way that it used to. Right. So if you have too many windows open or you're trying to do too many things at once, it starts uh, showing its age. But <laughs> for the most part, as long as you're sticking to one thing at a time. And or not using uh, iMovie, uh, the, the laptop still works great. All right, I'm I'm quite surprised that uh, it hasn't died mid Twitch stream at this point. Right, it does. Does that put it through a lot? Like to 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 when you're recording it or or putting it together in that way, is that a, a particular strain on it? It looks like it with. Uh. Uh, the broadcasting software that I'm using whenever I go live on Twitch, it'll show what percentage of the CPU is being used. And when I open the the software, this is uh, OBS, if you're curious, uh, if anyone's curious at home, I use uh, open broadcasting software. Mm. Um, it, it'll usually start off at about 12% in terms of CPU usage. In the moment that I open Twitch, it'll jump up like another 12 to 12 to 15 percent. Wow. So and I've always noticed that if I try to leave another window or tab open while I'm running uh, OBS while I'm live streaming to Twitch, uh, it just starts uh, wheezing and coughing and (laughs) just being like it, it just becomes super over encumbered really, really quickly. <laughs> it's such a graphic description of a computer struggling to. <laughs> well, I, I was, we, you'd mentioned the Simpsons, so I was thinking of like 
Santa's little helper. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name of the cat? What's the name of the cat? I can't. Snowball. Thank you. I don't or know Snowball why Two, whatever on they're on now. Yeah, like yeah. Snowball Three. Or, <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah it maintains the name, doesn't it? Whatever version of the cat has mm. is currently survived. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so how how do you find the Twitch stuff still going well? It's going all right. Again, we I mean we've had this conversation multiple times. Yeah, where we really wish we could both find that secret tag that <laughs> all the influencers are using that gets you hundreds of thousands of views. And I still, you know, I still haven't found the holy grail yet. But mm. I hit fifty followers on Twitch fairly recently. Lovely. And I think I'm getting ever so closer to uh finally start making pennies on the pound from uh my Twitch stream. So that's wonderful. Always a yeah, no, I actually I was really, really happy when that happened the other day. But for whatever reason, so you'll have what's on your Twitch main page and then you'll have your analytics. And the analytics are like, yeah, it says that you hit 50 on your main page, but actually you're still only at 48. So you need two more. Keep trying. <laughs> yeah, are you finding your enthusiasm for for, for playing uh, and, and sort of presenting music in this way? Is it is it still there? Are you still enjoying it? I think this is probably if I, I know there's some so much writing out there is like never spread yourself too thin and uh find one thing and barrel into it as much as you can and be as good at it as you possibly can mm. and i'm thinking if i were to abandon everything i would probably put all of my effort into this the twitch streaming right yeah i i actually i've found that it's the one thing that i i still really enjoy doing the youtube videos just I, I'm finding in really, really difficult time motivating myself to put anything out there anymore. But the the Twitch stream stuff's always fun. Why why are you finding difficulty with the YouTube videos? Because it's, there was the video that I did back maybe like four months ago, the Betty Ford Boys video. I, up until that point, I was getting maybe like 30, 40 occasionally 50 or then you'd have the freak video where you get over a hundred views on something. Mm. I, uh, when I put out the Betty Ford boys video and it sat at 10 views for several months, I was like, I put a lot of energy into this mm. and nobody watched it. What the hell am I doing? So I took a break. Then I think I did the Utada Hikaru video, which did decently, I guess. Yeah. And then I did the Floating Points video, which did really well. And then through the month of August, I just pretty much took the whole month off because I have a hard time motivating myself to not one and done a video. Like I'd get everything done within like three hours and then uh go on to the next go on to the next thing yeah uh and i can only seemingly record and put a video together one day a week 
like I couldn't start doing something uh, on, say, like a Tuesday and then record the audio for it on a Wednesday, shoot the video for it on a, on a Thursday. You, you basically get, I can't split up the process, basically, I think is what right. I was saying. It, it, it's got to be done right there, the right then and there. And then I move on to the move on to the next thing. And I don't know. It's just been I, I've f- tried new ideas. It's like, well, maybe maybe those will work out a little bit better. But seemingly, no matter how many new subscribers that I get on the YouTube channel, the views on the newer videos are just not going anywhere. So I uh, kind of uh, unmotivated at this point. Oh, that's such a shame, dude. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's really pissing me off because I've got a bunch of ideas that I've been working on that I've just never got around to finishing them. And every time that I sit down to work on them and just kind of look at my view count, I'm like, do I really want to put all this time and energy into something that's going to be ignored for you lame YouTube drama? (laughs) That's not necessarily the course that it it would follow though i know i know and and there isn't any there isn't anything it's not like it's already pre-decided that the the moment that i put some time and effort into something that it's automatically a failure it's Mm -hmm. just since the last several videos that i've put out and even the youtube archives uh that i've uploaded or the twitch archives to my youtube channel I've done so poorly. It, it, it's really, really hard motivating myself to uh, keep pushing stuff onto the channel when it, knowing that it's never going to be seen basically by anybody. So, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, this tends to be an opening part for us, isn't it, where we talk about our uh a- a- ambition versus i don't know Reality. commitment um hmm. where it's it's a it's a very difficult it's such a difficult thing like with i suppose for radio i i try not to um to, i don't really look at stats mm-hmm. for example be just because i don't know you you can do every single thing to make it um, makes something kind of connect and stuff like that. But I, I think when you become, when you look at it like that, it it can very easily become a demotivating factor. Right. You know, so, right, um, right, right. and you kind of, you want to cling to that um, notion of doing it because you love it, you know, right. and, um, right, and, right, right. and, and, but, and I'm by no means saying that that's um say a priority of yours that has changed you know but it it is difficult i suppose when you put a lot of effort into something and you kind of think that that deserved better than than it got you know but um i suppose anyone that creates in that context is always going to be met with that as a as as an obstacle and it's like yeah you you become the obstacle to overcome really isn't it because it's your perception of what you want to achieve that you're having to question but um, well, I, maybe maybe you'll agree with this. The idea that uh, all growth is always just an upwards trajectory, right? 
Yes. So once you start something that it will just constantly be going in one direction, whether it's a small curve or when it turns into a really steep curve, it's always just going to go up. It'll never possibly go down. And having that sort of mentality when you plateau or maybe even dip a little bit more. Yeah, it's easy to get demotivated by that, but that's probably more true than the idea that you're you're just always constantly going to be going uh, in an upwards trajectory. Did that make mm. any sense? Uh, no, absolutely. And I think in a way that can become a demotivating factor as well, because I suppose when you're like, well, well I've been doing this for a little while now mm-hmm. and it's maybe not going as as upwards as just from a logical perspective in terms of if I've put if I've done if the first thing you've done you know and whatever it is if it's a YouTube video or a podcast or a radio show a mixed cloud upload you know if you hit say five boom you're like okay next one we really got to hit seven eight now boom next one you really want 10 12 you know so and I, I think sometimes when you don't get that growth even from a social media from growing a social media account you know you kind of like right well it's been a year <laughs> you're right technically this should be higher what right so it makes you so sometimes i get quite competitive with it in terms of mm-hmm. what am i doing wrong what what have i not done or what have i not mm-hmm. put into place that i should have done you know so i try to take that burden on like myself in terms of that's what have i not clicked what have i not done does mm-hmm. that make sense as opposed to sometimes I think I made the comparison. I don't think I ever made this comparison to you, but I think um, I likened it recently to like the Truman Show, mm-hmm. which um, I, I take it you've seen the Truman Show. Don't yes, want to spoil yes, yes. the movie. So it's that notion of no matter what. Spoiler alert for a 25 year old movie. Yeah, I, well, you never know. <laughs> Dude, I was going to watch that the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you're right i'm gonna ruin citizen kane now for and say rosebud is <laughs> <laughs> or usual suspects can you believe it oh, um, I, that, but, that was the like, brief sidetrack <laughs> that was legitimately like the most outside of seeing the sixth sense for the first time i think the twist ending at the end of the usual suspects was like one of the most amazing moments in cinema Yes, I watched that with a buddy and halfway into the film, he said, dude, it's Kevin Spacey. And I said, you're a moron. He has a limp. He's no way, he's not capable of being uh, this mastermind genius. And then boom, at the end, he's mastermind genius. How How did he do that? How did he do that? Yes. How did did your friend pick that out? I have have no idea. I have another friend like that who's not impressed by any movie and he's just like... (laughs) I hate those guys. Call out, call out whatever happens before it happen before it happens. And just like, yeah, my wife can be a bit like that actually. Sometimes, just in the middle of something, she'll go, "You know what? I bet so and so," and I'll be like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, but then it'll, she'll just nail it, and I'll be like, "How did? I don't know how you connected those dots." But hmm. sometimes you go into it just thinking, "What's the unlikely scenario here? What's the thing that they don't want you to conclude?" It's that. Right. Um, but uh, so yes, no, a completely usual suspects is yeah, that's a great call. Yeah, the yeah. only more the only thing more shocking than the that movie's ending is uh, everything that Brian Singer's been up to since the release of that movie. 
<laughs> oh, no. oh, there's been a story or two, hasn't there? Oh, just just a what? Just one or two. <laughs> well, I don't. I I don't want to know how long you want to spend on this. But did you ever see Apt Pupil? There's also I've never. I've not. No, I haven't. No. There, there's a lot of controversy around that movie. In oh, particular. okay. Yeah. A, I'm, I'm just going to look it up. I don't. I can't think of anything about that film. I'm not. I'm sure I've. It's uh, Ian McKell- I think Ian McKellen's in it. Okay. And I really want to say it's Ian McKellen. And do, do you remember the story at all? No, I don't. No. Kid is researching this guy that is a, an ex Nazi that fled Nazi Germany and just by coincidence ends up living in the same town that the kid does. The kid finds him out and then starts uh, interrogating him. And after years of repressing all of the things that he did uh, in Nazi Germany, slowly starts reviving these uh, feelings that he had and realizes that he's uh, basically reawoken a monster. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. You're right. It is Ian McKellen. It is... Uh, it's uh, what's his name? I, I for some reason Bradley Cooper came to mind, and I know that's the wrong name. Oh, David Schwimmer is in it. Um, yeah. I can't see a Bradley Cooper at the moment. I, I was trying to remember the uh, the the kid, not kid, but teenager's name. Brad Renfro. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's I, it. I've never even heard of him. Yeah, I think he was a. I think he was a popular child star. If, memory serves me um, elias cotes is in it from casey jones from ninja turtles yeah there you go i remember him brad renfro doesn't ring any bells i'm trying to remember what he'd be known for but anyways this sidetrack's gonna go on forever if we don't <laughs> fill it here as any good podcast does yes absolutely <laughs> but i hey you got to appreciate it. And I was able to get in a Brian Singer. Uh, yes. Well, way to go. That's the one thing we've been missing. I think yeah, more Brian I Singers. need more Brian Singer jabs. Is more, it, yeah, is... more Brian Singer zingers. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know where we How are things, how are things uh, in general? Have you guys, have you been playing out at all recently? I had a couple of gigs. Uh, actually, yeah, this is probably now thinking about it. Uh, I've had probably the most gigs this year that I've had in the last two years or so. Amazing. So that, that, that's been a plus. It hasn't been for sort of the uh, fashionistas and the, the influencing crowd, but I, I've still been uh, getting out and playing. And you've been enjoying it as you kind of been. Yeah. With it quite uh, well. uh, my friend's uh, beach house was closing, closing, quote unquote, for the season. And uh, I did the closing party two weekends ago. Is that two? Nice. No, that was last weekend. And uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, it's, it's always interesting to do gigs like that because it really f- forces me to real. Uh, narrow my focus as much as possible in terms of what music that I bring mm. because it it has to 
appeal to the broadest audience that it being uh, my music selection. So it, I, I try not to bring what, I don't know, what would you call it? Sort of like fluffy records, things that <laughs> it, I, I, I'm looking for as, because uh, English isn't uh, working for me right now, uh, Machigai <laughs> Nai records, which basically means like no mistake records. Okay. Stuff that it, like is going to have the the broadest appeal possible, right? And no sort of venturing off into weird or slightly off kilter territory, which I'd be more inclined to do if it were for a much narrower audience that goes to DJ events and stuff. Right. This, that like this party was not by any stretch of the imagination a DJ party. It would be more akin to sort of like a, a wedding party or something like that. Okay. So played a lot of uh played a lot of classics. Got a got a pretty good response from the uh the over fifties crowd. So nice. That's, that, 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 that 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 was always a plus. But uh <laughs> so <laughs> funny story. The uh I was set to play at the end of the night and I, I played throughout the uh the opening of the party till uh the the last act had finished and then my time was supposed to be up so uh, by the time that the last act had finished basically like everyone had flooded out of the place it was already nine o'clock and they'd been there since three o'clock so i don't blame them for wanting to get out of there and I started DJing and this Sri Lankan guy, bless his heart, came up and the way that the DJ booth at the place is situated, it's elevated and the speakers are in front of me. So everything that this guy was shouting at me was basically inaudible. And he he like raises his hand and starts waving at me. He's like, yo, what's going on? And he starts doing the worst rendition of Buffalo Soldier that you can imagine. He didn't ask for it. He started singing it at me. Was and, Were you playing it at the time? Or? No, I, I was oh. not playing. I, I think I was playing, uh, what is that? Uh, All Night Long, uh, Mary Jane Girls. Right. That's a classic. How can you, how can you not get behind that? But no, yeah. dude. Dude wasn't having anything other than Buffalo Soldier <laughs> and felt it necessary to sing it at me five times from the same location, even though I told him like three times in a row, I can't hear you. He still insisted on singing it at me. So I got out of the DJ booth to ask him, I was like, what are you talking about? And then rather than saying, can you play Buffalo Soldier? He <laughs> sings it at me again. And thank thank God my friend was walking by at the same time. And I pulled him aside and was like, dude, can you talk to him? Like, this is the most befuddling conversation I, I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. And I need to get out of here. And it turned out that he wanted Bob Marley. And my friend's like, oh, yeah, I got it. And I was like, good. 
go over to the DJ booth play it because I'm done with this shit. No, you can't just you can't give this person what he wants. Yes, I can because if I if it if it means that I'm not going to be annoyed for the next for the <laughs> last two hours that I was staying there, so be it. Because nobody oh, was there at the nobody was there at that point. It was basically pure anarchy. So. I, I, I was more than happy to relinquish the reins of the uh, the music for the rest of the night. And That's then, so I- <laughs> well, it, and then what ended up happening was after my friend had played him his absolutely necessary uh, Buffalo Soldier, when my friend had left, he got into the DJ booth, unplugged my friend's iPhone to plug in his own iPhone. And started playing just like the worst god awful trap that you could possibly what? imagine. But this is this isn't acceptable behavior. No, not, not, no, no, it wasn't. And all of this happened uh, without the not without the knowledge of the owner. The owner only found out about it uh, like last night when I was talking to him. And my friend was like, yeah, the Sri Lankan guy ended up doing this and that. And my friend's like, that's not supposed to happen. And it's like, yeah, none, none of this would happen if someone would actually take some responsibility here. But yeah, we've all uh, just shucked that to the next guy. So. Wow. so after you all beat the living hell out of him, what happened then? <laughs> not, not much. I, I just, I just want, as soon as my friend jumped in the DJ booth to give him what he wanted, I was just like, I am out of here. What was, how did he, oh, so if you didn't see what happened, I'm just very curious when, when the song plays, what does, what does he do? Is he just like, does oh, he, he was sit dancing, quietly in, he was dancing oh, okay. in front of the DJ booth by himself. <laughs> and then my, my friend joined him for a little bit and then he ended up. <laughs> Because by that point in the evening, everyone was thoroughly intoxicated. Right. So. And then and, he walks around. I can yeah. imagine him walk around to the front again and then saying, no woman, no cry. Like, just go home, dude. No more. It's done. <laughs> so is there this thing? I, I'm from the Chicagoland area. I'm not actually mm-hmm. from Chicago. So people ask you, it's like, where are you from? Oh, I'm from uh, Chicago. Really? Where in Chicago? Eh, outside Chicago. Oh, really? <laughs> where outside Chicago? Milwaukee. Right. Is there a thing <laughs> in the UK? It's like, hey, where are you from? Oh, London. Oh, really? Where in London? Uh, outside London. Uh, really? Where outside London? Swansea. Well, th- there is this. There is this thing. Funny enough, where I. I oh, really? Well, kind of like um, it, it's it's like it's, I'm reluctant to say it because I feel like anyone from the UK is will just say, "What the hell is wrong with you? How do you not know?" But mm-hmm. like sometimes you'll you you can have a conversation with someone and say, "Oh, where are you from?" And they'll say, "The North," mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, well, I mean, that's a lot of land. That's a lot, of, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's quite a long, a large scope, you know. Because Lon- like London sort of is sort of near the bottom. If mm-hmm. we look at the, the whole map, so when you right, kind of right, say right. the north, mm-hmm. you know, we are you Manchester North? Are you Scotland North? So uh, I think you do kind of hear things. You know, people will kind of say things like that. And again, maybe that's a, a thing I've completely missed as to what you know why there is such a vague mm-hmm. uh, area. But why would you say Chicago and not? Did you say Milwaukee? Well, no that that was just that was honestly just a joke that oh. like, people will 
My uh, U.S. geography is terrible, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, it, it's basically you usually say you're from the area that people are most likely to right. recognize. Okay. So, so it, over it, here, it seems to be the direction that people would recognize as opposed right. to... <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to remember why I was why I brought that up in the first place, but <laughs> realizing that it just became this complete non sequitur. So, I have a, I have a question about playing out, like Shoot. when you when you were talking about, um, you know, like a it was sort of an, a you know an easier play it safe kind of mm-hmm. uh, gig. What's what's the easiest or the most challenging kind of event to play is it when you're you're having to i suppose with the ones where you want to impress are the ones that you're probably the most enthusiastic about but mm-hmm. then again that the bar conversely would be quite high so do you kind of is it a challenge to to do something like that or if you have to tailor something so if it was a wedding party that stuff you may not want to play that you know because you're not really trying to play a rare Katie Tatham remixes and things like that you're trying to just please the crowd right so it, it was the most sort of challenging environment um for you to kind of play out in you know you, you, like, I wish I had that wedding gig where like kids were yelling at me to play broken beat <laughs> soulful broken beat bugs in the attic <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, sadly that's never happened that that is those are the hardest gigs I, i've done right. a couple of weddings in the past and while i think i could probably do a lot better job than when i did them back in the day because i used to treat basically every dj gig the exact same way and that was largely just due to the fact of uh how many records i had in my collection at the time so i could only pr- really just pull from what i had but yeah, th- those sort of gigs where the audience is basically all over the place, I find to be the most stressful because mm-hmm. it's honestly, I, I feel like it's out of my hands in terms of how the music is going to be received. I remember that this podcaster was talking about like he hated the, he thought he had the disposition to be a comedian, but he did two open mics in a row. The first night he told the joke, told a joke and it worked. The next night told the exact same joke to a different audience and they hated him. And (laughs) he said that was the most confusing, disorienting Mm -hmm. feeling that you, you could put forth the same effort for a different group of people and have uh, a different reaction was just too much. And I think that sort of applies that I, I take that sort of idea and I think it, uh, I think it's applicable maybe to uh, that the gig that I did last Sunday where essentially I played the exact same music that Sunday as I did for the opening party a few months before. And for the opening party, I, the music was well-received. And for this party, it just seemed like, I wouldn't say it fell flat, but it, it 
didn't really feel like I had a chance for right. uh, uh, any sort of success or anything. Mm. So it's so difficult, isn't it? It's yeah, like, well, it's, it's it's so disorienting. Yeah. So, so I guess sometimes it's sort of reading the room, really, like the the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. the joke that you sort of said. It would be interesting to know how far into the set it was in both times and mm-hmm. what the responses were leading up to that. Because if everything was exactly the same and everyone was laughing exactly where they were supposed to, and then mm-hmm. at that joke it went wrong, that's really interesting. But well, if it was already off off kilter up to that point, then fair enough. <laughs> and yeah, well, like that's I mean, going well in. You you also have to take into consideration there's a lot of what 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 should we call it like quiet approval so to speak mm-hmm. even if you know people aren't necessarily expressing that they're into it doesn't mean necessarily that they uh, dislike what you're doing right maybe they're a bit more ambivalent or maybe they're just kind of like yeah this is all right it sort of bleeds into the background I got enough uh, compliments from that night to the point where I was able to pat myself on the back and say well i didn't do a terrible job just didn't really get a chance to play by the time it was uh my quote-unquote set time everyone had already left and the people that were still there were already figuring it was time to go because the person that had set the event up for his band and stuff was breaking everything down in the middle of my set so it looked like it was time to go can you, can you not do that every time <laughs> Th- this happens literally every time that i do one of these gigs oh, no. it's so funny oh gosh um yeah mm. <laughs> well, what can you do no gigs perfect yeah i guess so um uh, have you considered sort of get back getting back into sort of the hosting of, of no and stuff that, that, that that i'm done that i'm I feel like I'm I, I'm past that point of my life. Oh no, that's a shame. Yeah, but I I also feel like it, it, it's better to uh, what's the old? It's, it's better to burn out than fade away. I think that's the uh, the old expression. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Right. To the uh, do, do you ever watch High Fidelity? Jack Black, John Cusack. I have seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's been a few yeah. years. I read the book as well. Actually, the book was fantastic. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's been some years. But yeah. Who wrote that? Is that Nick Hornsby? Uh, yes. Oh, damn. And I wasn't even sure of that. I was able to recall <laughs> that like nothing. I think I tried reading it one time, much the same as, uh, was it Irving Welsh's uh, Train Spotting? I tried reading. Oh, wow. No, time. I've never read oh, that. Oh, that was hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, in the way that it's written, if I remember correctly, all the dialogue has no spaces in it. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. As someone who suffers from mild dyslexia, that really did not help things. Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I I would say, barring something spectacular, I just don't see uh, getting back into the world of hosting uh, events anymore. There's not really much of an audience for it. I, I feel oh, yeah, like yeah. I've already gotten sort of left behind as the uh, sort of up and comers are now getting to my age uh, 10 years ago. That didn't make any sense, Sean. Good job. 
<laughs> I, I'm really trying hard, but I'm still shaking the rust off this uh, during this conversation. <laughs> the uh, young up and comers are not so young anymore. And it right. really doesn't seem like there's anyone really behind them, so right. to speak. Did, did that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm very curious to see what the the next 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 generation of the sort of underground DJs, because there's always a group of like mainstream club and hip hop DJs that I see around Niigata. But mostly the old guard just keeps getting older and the younger guard just keeps getting older. And it doesn't really seem like there there's anyone behind the quote unquote new guard. So, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, no, it is. It, it is really interesting. It, it is also interesting to see that a lot of the really old gatekeepers, the ones that are probably nearing their 50s at this point, are still going. But I, I think a lot of the events around here specifically are mostly not about what you play, but who you know and who you're right. friends with. And it makes sense. A lot of these people uh, around Niigata, like they went to school together. They're, they're old school. They're old schoolmates. It isn't so much about the music, although it's an excuse for them to get uh, get together and hang out. It's more just sort of uh, hanging out, hanging out with your old friends and stuff. So, mm. and I get that I had a brief moment in the spotlight where I could share that with a lot of people. I'm really grateful for that, but I also understand that like this maybe uh, uh, I was working on bor borrowed time, possibly. Oh, that sounds so sad. <laughs> you put it like that. That's. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Oh, no. Like, who, who, there's always a possibility. I, I think at this point, it's mostly just a matter of motivating myself again, mm. and I just haven't had a whole lot of motivation to get out and try to one go to other people's events, go to other people's events, and uh, ask to play. I, I think. I think one of the worst things my mother always told me, and I'm sure your mother probably maybe maybe told you this too, was never invite yourself. Always wait <laughs> to be invited. Wow. So I've my always had that mentality. I've always had that mentality. And it, it was only maybe about 10 years ago that I realized that while you that's good for when you're going over to a friend's house, it is not a good mentality to have <laughs> when you're trying to get a DJ gig. Yeah. So that that is my mentality to a T. Mm. Uh, but the, I think the, the mentality my mom tried to put in was you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. And I think I can hear those words from her, like sort of quite clearly uh, yeah, in my head. What is so, it, uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yes. Under cliches. Yeah. So I mean, she she was always sort of more trying to put that in my head, but no, I I think to and I know and I wish I could have embraced it more. And I think that's probably something you and I both, well, as you've just sort of said, that's probably been our Achilles' heel, to be honest, um, throughout this whole, um, you know, this whole gig about 
you know, trying to promote ourselves and get ourselves out there. And I think that that has been the thing that we've suffered from the most. And if we had been those kind of people that <laughs> if you don't ask, right. you don't get, we'd probably be doing significantly better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think... I, I, I was always under the impression that like, well, the music will just speak for itself. <laughs> when people hear my DJ set, they'll just be so enraptured that they'll <laughs> swoon over, swoon and just want to invite me. And yeah, that really never it happened. It actually did happen to some degree, but it it, it was never going to last like that. And the, the sooner I could have realized that like, if I just taken things into my own hands and had a little bit more gumption and like you said, you don't ask, don't get, uh, probably would, would have been in a different situation. Mm. So, yeah, but I mean, I've had fun. I, I, I'm happy that I made it as far as I have. If this is where, uh, the sun sets in this part of my uh, this part of my life, then so be it. Uh, but uh, yeah, if I if the opportunity arises to DJ again, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it again. Mm. So, but I, I'm just I don't know, staying up till two, catching the last train, watching people fall yeah. over themselves from their seventh shot of tequila. <laughs> not doesn't doesn't hold the same appeal that it used to right right i'd rather argue with friends about philosophy until three o'clock in the morning <laughs> i understand so mm. well do you yeah. do you get out that much these days do you go to venues anything like that um, i did a, a, a not really not in the last i don't know i used to live sort of uh in in south london and mm -hmm. i had a great few years of just from a gig perspective of like um seeing bands and seeing artists like i would look at uh the listings for certain venues like like london's jazz cafe and mm -hmm. i'd look at that every monday morning because that was when all the new lineup would would be there and that you know tickets were fairly cheap um and i if i saw something i'd be like oh great and i would just buy tickets just just like that and you know my wife and i would go and oh i would go with friends and it was just very easy to sort of live that kind of life but we moved just outside of london about 10 years ago mm -hmm. so you are um beholden to the last train home um uh, which is a lot earlier than you know it's uh, sort of around midnight and if you i know, see yeah, and a yeah. gig or gig will close a gig will end at about 11 11 20 so it's you run out that door because there's nothing till five in the morning as such if right. you miss that train so it became increasingly less um uh appealing uh and also i guess i just got older and uh, i've you know i still you know my affection for music absolutely is just it's uh, still at its peak but I mm -hmm. think sometimes being in, in venues and, um, you know, waiting for it to start and then, you know, just the process of people dancing around and you're kind of like, yeah, I'd like a chair mm -hmm. um, and just uh, <laughs> things like that. So, yeah, I think I just got a bit kind of old. I'd love to still go to, to, to more 
more gigs and i've had just a really great run of seeing pretty much every one of my heroes at one time or another so but uh yeah i kind of wish i was a bit more city based a bit more london you know based because it would be kind of cool to to just be a bit more spontaneous with going to places and gigs and stuff like that but where we are now there's Mm. not there's nothing around us it's not very yeah it's not very help uh that does make it uh convenient to yes. be able to like go out and party yeah, yeah and i i did i we, we, as you're explaining it that that was basically uh just realizing i was realizing that you, you basically just explained my situation as well mm-hmm. where the the last train here back to my house is about 11 30 or so Right. And most gigs, uh, most DJ events, most gigs don't start until earliest is eight. But most, more often than not, the gigs don't even start until ten. Mm. Wow. And and if I if I'm going to a gig, if whether I'm playing or just going there to have fun, like I'm there for the long haul, right? So and whereas when I used to live in the city, same as you, it would be easy to go to a gig and then stroll home yeah. at three o'clock in the morning. Cause I, it, every place that I both DJed and frequented just as a customer was walkable in, right. in, wow. in the city. So that, that wasn't a big deal, but ever since I moved out, unless I'm actually DJing a gig, like I just don't, it, it, it takes a lot for me to be committed because I had, it has to be a uh, concerted decision that like, this is what I'm doing this evening. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I do really miss the sort of freewheeling. Eh, let's go check out this party. Eh, let's go check out that party. And now it's just like, all right, this place starts at nine and this, this place starts at nine. If I go now and get maybe like two drinks and then I got to leave in like two hours, start walking home and start walking home and just it, it's not really yeah. realistic anymore. There was a, you know, you're on Twitter, I get these notifications from people who, who I, you know, like Twitter will say so-and-so has tweeted this and you know, people I don't follow, I've no idea why you know certain how these recommendations work but mm-hmm. i got someone it did make me laugh where they said as a woman i don't know who the woman was but she said um i was just invited to a a social function that started at 8 p.m i've turned it down because i'm not on and in capital letters cocaine <laughs> like who what goes out hell? at 8 p.m i thought well that's extreme <laughs> like that's it made me laugh but i just thought well yeah how old are you like to to, (laughs) if you're like i'm not gonna go out past 8 p.m uh that did make me laugh (laughs) i got like 20 cats at home (laughs) but yeah yes i guess we're we're sort of the same there we're um um yeah we're getting older but you know it's cool that you want to argue Mm -hmm. go ahead no I was going to say, it's cool that you want to argue philosophy till three in the morning. That's fun. <laughs> the friends that I are, specifically one friend that I argue with is just the most <laughs> stubborn 
blockheaded individual that I can imagine that you can imagine. So <laughs> just the uh, the old the unstoppable object, the unstop. What is it? Unstoppable, immovable, immovable, immovable force. Force meets the unstoppable, the unstoppable object. object. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very so good. We we will the, never move on any of our positions, but it, it, it's fun to <laughs> it's fun to try. I guess I understand. Um, uh, do you? Um, uh, there was something I wanted to ask you about in relation to, I guess, your sort of reviews and stuff that you've been championing recently. Is uh, I always like to catch up with you about music and like what you're listening to this year i mean if you can believe it we're almost approaching the final quarter of the year yeah, it'd be uh, and and then, yeah we all, shocking it's crazy isn't it and i yeah. know we always delve into like our um you know we always put together our best of the years and stuff like that is uh i know you you've sort of already fleetingly mentioned it but uh a release you were very excited about was the Utada, mm. uh, as a Heroku uh, floating points release. Has that has that come out yet? Yeah, the album actually came out in January. It just completely. Oh, really? It came out in January and completely flew underneath my radar. Uh, I was out drinking, and a friend of mine was like, "Dude, I think floating points were produced a track." Which, by the way. Utada Hikaru is her name. Right. Yep. There you go. That, that, 16, years of, 16 years of not studying Japanese, just to correct my friend's pronunciation. <laughs> Utada Hikaru. Hikaru, right. And right. even right. And my wife somewhere just cringed. My wife just cringed somewhere. She's not, <laughs> she's, not at the, she's not at the house right now, but I'm sure she's just like, Sean, why does your Japanese suck so bad? <laughs> Because the, so the lie, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Uh, the lie that is told to many people as they start learning Japanese is that Japanese is a flat language. There, there's no change in pitch or intonation and everything should just be pronounced sort of flatly. And that's a lie. Okay. So there actually are stresses. There are actually changes in the pitch. So there's a difference between saying hikaru as opposed to hikaru. Yeah, so those could be two different, totally different words. So as, as I'm saying her name, I'm like, did I say that right or not? <laughs> I mean, it sounds about right, but there, there's probably, I put a stress somewhere that I totally didn't mean to. So. Right. Do you speak fluent? I, I speak. I've gotten to the point now where I'm, I'm fairly confident uh, talking to people, especially if I'm drunk. But for the most <laughs> part, I'm I am confident enough that I will strike up a conversation with uh, people. So well, very, it's very good. Very good. Yeah. As, as someone who never really formally studied and just sort of piecemeal was able to learn Japanese. I, I do pat myself on the back on this for this. Okay. Well, yeah, anyways, very, very okay. good, very good. long tangent. So <laughs> drinking at a bar friend told me that uh, floating points had produced what he thought because he, he couldn't confirm it for whatever reason uh, was like, dude, I think floating points produced some tracks for Hikaru or Utara. And I was like, 
really? And on a whim, I listened to it while I was at the bar in just sort of disbelief. And I was absolutely floored by it. And since that night, the three tracks was a bad mode somewhere in Marseille and, uh, Kibuno Janaino, I think is the other one, not in the mood. Those three tracks have been my three favorite songs of the year. Wow. And wow. Part, of, part of it is there's, uh, Utara has always sort of been a standout in terms of the, the world of J-pop and stuff like that, because there, there's a sincerity to her, but also she didn't grow up in the same sort of uh, pop, machinery atmosphere that a lot of other acts exist around here she was born in the states oh was she That's yeah she, she's she i mean her parents are both japanese but her parents were living in the u.s when she was born hmm. so she's completely bilingual which is another thing that hmm. uh complete helps her stand out and she actually, because she does sing, I've, I have songs where she actually sings in both languages throughout one song. So, yeah. Right. And I think, I think at some point, and I'll have to double check this somewhere, or someone's going to call me out on this, but I, I think she might have had a brief flirtation with Rough Riders or one of those labels. Because she, she stated in an interview that, like, Faith Hill was one of her uh, favorite artists. And Faith I, I, Hill was not in Rough Riders. Yeah, okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> DMX and Faith Hill, I love it. <laughs> wait, wait, Faith Hill was a part of... Uh, what, what label was that? Come on, help me out here, man. Isn't Faith Hill the, the country pop Oh, singer? yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Was it? Do right. you mean Faith Evans? Faith Evans, thank you. Oh, okay. thank you, thank you. <laughs> wow, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Nobody's gonna Hill. listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Faith Evans, thank you. I, I'm sorry, I'm captivated now by a DMX and Faith Hill collaboration. Oh, that's that's brilliant. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well thank yeah, sorry, you for filling, thank you for filling in the gaps in my brilliant but no she's had if i remember correctly she had uh tracks that charted in the u.s no oh, wow, which okay. was basically unheard of for a japanese artist to have any sort of success in the u.s so yeah i'm just yeah i'm looking it's funny because i mean Floating Points is such a kind of a darling over here, mm. you know, and it, I can't believe that this album has been out like since January, as you say, and just made no, I mean, I've seen nothing of, I, you're the only person yeah, I know I knew that they mentioned it. Yeah. It, it's kind of shocking that it basically made no splash anywhere because I didn't find out about it until June. And wow. well, like I knew some of the tracks from it. I think One Last Kiss was one of the tracks, which basically sort of fit into pretty typical Utada territory. It was a fine song. 
But those three tracks are just so distinctively floating points. And moreover, it's like floating points actually writing songs. I, and I, I, it sounds disparaging, but I don't mean it to. Mm. Like there's some of the most tuneful things that he's ever made, but it, it's still very distinctively uh, floating points because it's got that synthesizer sound. Right. And it's just got these like absolutely gorgeous movements, the synth swells and uh, his arrangements. Everything is just absolutely beautiful. And they, they've they uh, worked together, her, uh, Utara and the Floating Points tracks, just absolutely beautiful. Wow. So he does he he doesn't do the whole album, does he? Or is it just no? Unfortunately, songs? not. And there's a track with Skrillex on there that is, is oh. just as bad as you could possibly imagine. <laughs> no love for Skrillex. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking at it now, like just sort of on Amazon over here. Mm-hmm. They only have the digital version of the album. Oh, really? So, yeah, so oh, it, it would appear that I'm venturing over to CD Japan to um, get that, which is so expensive. Well, the vinyl itself is 5,000 yen, so that's about 60 pounds or so. So, Oh, blimey. And yeah, they well, whenever I buy from, again, CD Japan, it, you pay the costs there, you pay your taxes and your postage, but then, of course, they won't deliver it you'll get a, a, a notification from the, the post office to say uh, you have a package and it requires an extra uh, 20, I think it was at uh, 15. So what about $23 uh, uh, like a final customs charge that mm-hmm. isn't initially catered for. So, so wait, you um, order something and then they hold it hostage for you. Yeah. So you pay CD, you like so CD Japan. There's a couple of other places I've bought um, mm-hmm. from um, in um, Japan. Like there's a couple of um, oh, uh, Rough Records, uh, R O P H Records. Um, I've got mm-hmm. blank as the name. Um, I don't even know if I want to say the name because uh, my poor pronunciation. But uh, yeah, so I buy from them. Don't worry, I'll just we- I'll just giggle off mic- microphone. Oh, that's encouraging. And let me <laughs> let me clear my throat and. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so uh but yes yeah, so you pay the, the 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 person you're buying from um so you pay your postage and everything but yeah then the post office will say there's another customs charge to pay and we won't deliver it until you do it so yeah so it it goes up and up and up so a bulk buy t- is tend to tends to be, the, to best be the best way yeah rather way than yeah, ordering so just, it yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe just getting a digital probably would be the, the the way to go oh the obsessive in me won't allow i know afraid, i know i know but physical yeah. me- must have physical tangible media terrible yeah <laughs> i wish i could detach from it but no just oh, so th- this is so that actually plays into uh another thing i could have mentioned so this has been the longest drought period of not buying records since oh, wow. i've since i first moved to japan Part of that was wow. uh, because of uh, decreased salary, but mostly it was because the place that I was ordering records from, they got hacked this year. So they completely closed down their online front to the store. Oh, wow. So I, I even if I wanted to 
order records, I couldn't because the site was shut down as they were mm. reorganizing and boosting their security again. So, so it's been how long since you've 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 bought records? Then I think the how last month was July. So it's only been oh, about two. Wow, it's only been about two two months or so. It's going to be about three. Are you liking the break? No, or no I'm kill- oh, it's killing me. What's what's killing you? The um, is it not getting new music, or is it that you know I don't have my my delivery of beautiful new vinyl? And do you know what I mean? Is it that that collector side of you, or is it the person that just craves new music? Uh, probably all of the above, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, man. So, so uh, I'm sitting on a bunch of stuff that I've wanted to hear. Seems like Stone's Throw is having another epic year this year. Right. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to their releases. It's been a few months. I think the last one, is it Jamal Dean? He's on Stone's Throw, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I, I got his. That's what's, uh, So that's what's one thing that's really interesting about Stone's Throw. You could probably ask 10 people, what are you listening yeah. to on Stone's Throw? And they would all give you a different answer. Is that good or bad? Because there used to be that you didn't used to be this situation. Early 2000s, mm-hmm. late 90s, they had a very clear focus. And it was, you know, they were, they were obviously nailing it. But they, there was a very clear focus with what they were doing. But mm-hmm. nowadays, it's such a wide variety is you know do you think it's a good thing that you it could be as varied an answer today than before i ah uh, yeah i i would say so if only because i feel like the quality of the stuff that they're putting out now is way better than it was maybe like 10 years ago mm. there there was a period of time where it felt like it really became peanut butter wolf's uh, boutique label and he just sort of put out whatever he felt like right. and some of the stuff that he was pointing out i don't know if you ever heard like vex ruffin or no, i don't know that uh i'm not into the, like the baron zen and Falerio, which was uh peanut butter wolf's spoken word project Ooh, really yeah. that was that was a thing that was a thing wow yeah that was okay yeah I mean, you, you in between your mayor Hawthorne in between your mayor yeah. Hawthorns there were a lot of duds. Wow! And it, it seems like these days with their lineup, uh, you know the the Stimulator Jones is J Rock put out a new one this year, which sounds mm. pretty solid. Kind of uh, throwback to the old sort of Mad Lib lead days. Mm. Uh uh John Carroll Kirby. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Rejoicer's really good. I don't think Rejoicer released one this year. But it it, it seems like these days you, you could probably throw uh a dart in the dark and you'd probably land on something good on Stone's Throw these days. Yeah. But... I always forget Rejoicers on the Stone's Throw. Obviously there's raw tapes, isn't he? So Yes. Um yeah, interesting. I always forget his Stone's Throw stuff, but um, yeah, he's a genius. That guy, amazing music. Is there is there anything that really stands out to you this year? 
I feel like um, I, I've completely fallen just into the 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 echo chamber of my own blog when it comes to music these days. Right. Yeah, it's difficult to step out, isn't it? Sometimes right. there's. Uh, well, it, I, I don't a... like. Aside from you and maybe another friend, like you, you and that other friend are basically the only people that I can talk music to. <laughs> Everybody else is just like with a friend that I hang out with the most is like, yo, Sean, you ever listen to my more? And he does talk like this. He's from <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> yo, Sean, you ever listen to my morning jacket? These guys rock. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. <laughs> He sounds awesome, yeah. Oh, he's fun. He, he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun, but he's kind of a pain in the ass too. <laughs> he, he's the friend that I argue philosophy with. Um, a, 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 everything becomes your fault when you talk to him. Oh, <laughs> what are you doing? Why would you do that? That's a very like typical New York, like stereotypical yeah. uh, New York sort of. Well, accent and perspective, which is quite funny. To yeah. Hear. So yeah. Oh, he's awesome. Um, uh, it's, it's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. So, anyways, it, yeah, there aside. was a record uh, which I've I've had for a few months. Um, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's the the art. He's completely new to me. Um, his name is Yarni. So Y A R N I. Why? And, um, Sorry, how do, you, how do you spell that one more time? Uh, y A R N I N I. He's, uh, as I understand it, traditionally he's an electronic music producer, but mm -hmm. and beat maker. But he kind of, I think he did his third album um, just a few months ago called uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's got a, a it's an Italian word, but. P Pina P I G N A. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm seeing it right here. Yeah, so that was him. Apparently, he goes into projects where he just wants to re revamp everything that you would expect him to do each time. Mm -hmm. And so he, from electronic music backgrounds, he went into this Pina album and basically made a jazz record, and oh. it's really fantastic. It's just one of those so much personality in it it's mm -hmm. every song is just sort of this fantastic energy uh there's some great vocal uh, uh contributions on there there's a song called the astral which is the first one i heard which is just brilliant it's just such a great yeah personality tends to be the word i i kind of think of the most i just love it it's such a great great record it's my my standout so far i think um and there's Is it going a, on the end of the year list oh yes quite high yeah yeah i love that record it's i hope yeah i hope you'll give it a listen and um yeah no uh, i i totally appreciate this because i've i again sort of mostly just been listening to just an extension of everything that i've always listened to so mm. it, it's always nice to hear yeah to have a brand new slate isn't it yeah it absolutely but uh, so yeah, that's a great record. I really enjoy that one. Yeah. No, um, actually, I'll, I'll do definitely... you know? Um, I think so. I actually picked this up from another show on our station. So I can't remember. It might have been you, but the, do you know the producers' workshop ensemble? 
why does that that sounds familiar for some reason yeah someone that i got that from someone else i've only heard the record i've just got it and i've only heard it once all the way through but that is that's brilliant it's um i think he's a uk guy i can't remember his i can't remember his name i'm unprepared for that but he went to Japan and he sort of spent several months traveling around mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of created a record based off of lots of uh, samples initially, but then he collaborated with a lot of um, musicians that he met out there. Mm-hmm. So it's this brilliant kind of jazz record. Um, there's a vocalist who's on half the album. And again, I can't remember her name and she does such a brilliant job, but that's a effing great album. Mm. um and uh like i've only heard it once all the way through but um i adore it it's it's just wonderful and uh that's whole i think that's probably one that you'd really dig as well Uh, one more time what was it it was the uh, the producer's workshop ensemble and i think the album is called the producer i think it's something the producer's workshop ensemble in japan um so it came out just a couple of months ago i think um but that's God, that's so good. Yeah, on Stay the Course Records. Yes, that's the one. Yep. Now look at looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really wonderful, wonderful record. I love that one quite a lot. I, I am increasingly be, be increasingly thinking that it might be time to ditch vinyl and uh, go digital. Go digital. Well, be, to, I guess there has to be a balance a bit, doesn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, one, it'd be so much cheaper. Two, it's yeah. a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more mobile. Yeah. And now, yeah. with the way that a lot of, I, I'm sure we've had this conversation a million times, uh, with the way that the technology works, you can uh, DJ off of Spotify and SoundCloud. Yeah. And you you don't even have to buy the music. You can even just stream it. It's crazy, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's totally wild. And because especially when you're dealing with audiences that don't know any better, bless their hearts, uh, <laughs> that like what, you know, the part of the appeal for, for at least for me, and this is the, the, this is me saying the quiet part out loud was that there was a status to it, to a certain degree. Yeah. There's something that was flauntable, and people would get excited about uh, showing off and talking about, and, you know, of course, playing them as well. Uh, but I I kind of feel like to most people, that sort of mentality has just sort of died. You don't really find, or at least I haven't really found the people who get excited about records anymore. Um, I don't know. I actually, I'm not entirely sure. I think there's, I suppose, particularly in online circles that I kind of am mm-hmm. a part of social, um, yeah, online social media circles. There is just this thing about this blind to say blind makes it sound like I'm that's a dig in a way, but this sort of mm-hmm. blind adoration uh for for vinyl um mm-hmm. in terms of well obviously you have to get the vinyl <laughs> you know right. it's kind of that kind of Played and I understand it. the yeah it's it is it is funny because I can understand a person's um 
penchant, for lack of a better word, uh, for a a me a specific medium. I can right. totally understand that, mm. but I, I suppose that it's sort of the this overarching uh, respect or expectation that comes in in the in you know within said sort of circles or or labels that you know well. I almost can't take this seriously if you if you're not a vinyl purchaser or right. uh it's it's strange like I had a conversation with someone um a couple of months ago about say when someone puts out like a radio show and I always find it really interesting because there's sort of that distinction between a challenge that you as a radio or if you're playing out. Mm-hmm. So you being the, 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 <clears throat> the creator in that instance of I'm going to set myself a challenge and do a, an all 45 set, whether it right, be right, a, right. a live performance or a radio show or 12 inches, right? If that's something that you as the creator in that moment want to set yourself as a rule, totally fine. That's, I cannot completely understand mm-hmm. a, a, a restriction or a limitation, something to sort of focus your show right. or your time in some capacity, totally understand it. What I don't understand uh, is the type of person so if if you said, hey, check out my radio show, and someone says, oh, I'm a bit busy, it's all vinyl, <gasps> I'm definitely going to listen now. <laughs> you know what? Why, why would that captivate a listener more so than, you know, what, if you play just vinyl, why would that captivate me mm-hmm. more so than if, you know, if you were playing MP3s or streaming or CDs? I don't understand that other part of it does that make sense yeah no i i totally get it and i was trying to figure out if i could uh steel man that position from the uh person that fetishizes right uh, that's a great word in relation to to contemporary vinyl culture that's a really great word yeah and I, i can't really i i think people just sort of believe that vinyl is sexy and they can't really explain why mm. and for a little while I, when, when when i was gigging more often part part of the fun was talking to other vinyl djs and being like hey you got that you got that on 45 and you know mm. becoming this game of like showing off all the different things that you've collected and i don't know there's just like nobody to talk about stuff like that anymore right uh, i think a lot of that community well the, that community was basically decimated by covid more or less wow really would you say that amazing the the number one thing i don't know if i mentioned this in our previous conversations but a big killer for a lot of the older djs especially djs with families was that uh mo- the main venues that they were playing stop charging people and the reason that's important was when the venues used to charge uh a door fee that meant that there was the possibility that they would get paid at the end of the night right so and if you're somebody with a family and you need to justify your vinyl habit or going out and drinking with your friends the prospect that you might bring some money home at the end of the night is a lot more appealing than just showing up drunk at uh, after right. the, the gig is done, right? Because yeah, the friend of mine uh, who 
also coincidentally has this is a complete non sequitur but uh the friend of mine that was getting so furious about this he's i think got one of the biggest collections of original pressing uh brazilian records in niigata it's some Um. like insane collection but he was the one who brought this up he was the one who's like yeah i could dj at this bar but what's the point of doing so if I know that I'm just going to end up in the hole at the end of the night with no possibility of making any of my money back? Screw this. I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. But it it seems like that's slowly changing again. The, uh, the old guard seems to be coming out. They're playing at different, uh, different venues and stuff like that. So who knows? We might see them put together parties again in the not too distant future. Yeah, they may require you to kickstart them, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Raw Select presents. <laughs> Let's hope that my 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 name still carries some weight. There we go. Yeah, here's hoping. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's good to hear that there there's uh, a ton of stuff that came out this year that I haven't listened to yet. So I will take Yeah, the- there there is. Actually there was something I've it's embarrassingly like I've been meaning to text this to you for weeks. Mm-hmm. And I always sort of remember at the wrong time. But did you hear a song um by a I'm gonna get the pronunciation disastrously wrong, but um uh, it's a, I guess he's a Japanese, like R and B singer, I think. Uh, Jen Hoshino. Oh wow, that name's uh, that name sounds really, really familiar. I think he's, uh, he, I think, think he's half, and I okay. think he's like in his twenties. Because okay. he sings in he sings in English, right? Um, no, I have what well, I have one song. Uh, that came out this year and I, I recently got it. It's called Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, well, the tag on it is featuring DJ Jazzy Jeff and Katie Tatham. Oh. Um, so I know that as a duo, they make a lot of music together. So I can imagine K- Katie's playing keys on it. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's they produce the song. I don't know. But yeah, that was something I've been meaning to message you about. Um, to say like, oh, good God, have you heard this? Because it's brilliant. It's such a great and really infectious song. Uh, but yeah, comedy from Jen Hishino with featuring DJ Jazzy Jeff and Katie Tatum, which is just so, it, again, massively under the radar. I, I've only saw one guy uh, talk about it on, on Facebook and I just thought, my God, why does no one? But it, it is sang almost, I think, entirely in Japanese. I think there might be a part of it in English. Mm. But that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. But I don't know anything about him beyond that one song. So I managed to find it on iTunes, thankfully. It's not even on Amazon. Yeah, with no Bandcamp. I think he's bigger than Bandcamp as, a, as an artist. So, Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I managed to find that one on Amazon. Very happy. I beg your pardon, on iTunes. And that's a great single. I've been meaning to text that to you on, on, on Messenger for weeks. And I just never remember at the right time. So I was keen to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I guess you're probably not as attached to your your uh, phone as as I am. Right. Well, I basically oh. got it on my person at all times. <laughs> uh, I can be a bit like that sometimes, but yeah. 
I'm always trying not to be. Uh, you know, you get those weird. Do you, does your phone tell you how many times you've looked at it and how? Oh, many... I, I've never looked at those stats. I do not. No, I. I, I do not petrified. want to be told, uh, like how how much of an embarrassment I am. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's not that bad. Is yeah. it? Well, well, no, no it, it, it's pretty bad. I, I, I'm pretty sure my phone's going to start yelling at me. It's, it's, <laughs> Leave me alone. It's alert. It's alert that it, it just says Sean touch grass. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably probably should get out get outdoors more often. <laughs> oh man, um, oh, I really want to know the numbers now. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably somewhere upwards of like five to six hours easily. Wow, if not on my phone, definitely on YouTube. Just in general, right. I am a complete YouTube addict, and I. I should really what do you look up on YouTube? I mean, everything and anything. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's I I it it could be old video games, film analysis, political right. stuff, philosophy stuff. Uh, uh, watching speed runs. I I I love everything. Amazing. Basically, basically, when it comes to YouTube, and it's a it's a horrible addiction that I really really should try to break one of these days. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, hmm. mm. it's so difficult because everything's on, on on your phone now, isn't it? It's such yeah. a a portal to so much, so it's sort of understandable. But yeah, mm. definitely. <laughs> yeah, I know you didn't ask, but I was thinking about it while we're doing the conversation. Mm. It's like, oh, what should my uh. Because I, I, I would guess you want me to pick a song. Yeah, do you know what's funny? It was on my head. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, like, I didn't mention it beforehand. I'm like, like okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if you if you have something to hand. What a perfect way to close the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, and <laughs> well, since I brought it up and since it's probably the thing uh, closest, uh, si- since it's probably the thing that stands out the most this year, pick one of the uh utada songs i was just trying to figure out which one is the one i would go with because mm-hmm. uh truth be told i love all three of them and Amazing. they sort of constantly get shuffled around as which one is my number one at the time and i think i'm gonna go with bad mode even even though it is sort of the obvious cut from the album because it is a single but right. it, title it is, track as well, isn't it? Yes, and it's mm. the one like there are parts of it that are, are so obnoxiously J-pop that drive me nuts. <laughs> like uh, these, like little weird uh, vocal cadence things that uh, Utada does that drive me nuts. But ultimately, the second half of that song is quite possibly the most beautiful piece of music that I've heard this year. And wow, I, it all, all three of those track, all three of those tracks do, uh, sort of, uh, the probably without being too embarrassing, like they're, they're just like the most emotionally touching tracks that I've heard this year. Wow. And I have a Amazing. strong feeling that they're going to be favorites of mine for a long period of time. 
ているなんて一体どうしてだ神様そりゃないぜそっと見守ろうかそれとも直球で聞いてみようか傷つけてしまわないかわかんないけど I'm not sure if I'm.